Hi, welcome to When We Speak, where we shed stigmas, say goodbye to shame, strengthen ourselves, and encourage others. I am your host, Tasha Hunter. Today, we are speaking to Ia Ifaishola Oshun Pomile Fayemi. She goes by Ia for short. Ia is the founder of Alake Creations. Alake means one that should be taken care of, as this is her approach to creating space for others to heal and grow in their personal spiritual journeys. Ia's mission is to assist others in embracing their will to move forward by using spiritual tools, divinations, and rituals. Her work also focuses on decolonizing the mind and misconceptions about West African indigenous traditions and religion. In addition to her work as an Ianifa, she is also a certified Reiki master, healer, and artist. So thank you so much, Ia, for being here today. Uh, I feel really honored to have you as a guest and to learn for myself what African spirituality is all about, West African spirituality, and uh, for you to also educate our listeners and tell us about your journey. So thank you. Um, thank you so much for having me. Um, so I am a priest in a West African spiritual system um, called Ifa um, in Orisha tradition. Um, I went to Abeokuta, Nigeria um, in 2018. I'm actually getting ready to come up a couple of days um, on my what we call Iku Odun or anniversary of my initiation. Um, so I'm an initiated priest of Ifa. Um, I'm an initiated priest of Oshun and Ogun. Um, the tradition is really based on the wisdom of nature because nature never changes. If the sun is going to rise in the morning, it's going to set in the evening, the moon is going to come out, it's going to rain, it's going to snow, we're going to have seasons. Nature is constant. So as a priest, I study the wisdom in nature. Um, is essentially what I do. Um, I also use this tradition um, to help people with their healing, connecting with their ancestors and connecting with their destiny or their purpose and what they're supposed to do. Um, and there are different modalities. Um, we use divination to investigate um, the human condition, essentially, um, to try to get to the bottom of things, whether it's mental health issues, physical health issues, or just you know, outside external influences that may be affecting a person. Um, so it's really an amazing system. Um, Ifa is not the only African spiritual system that kind of works in that way. It's just the one that appealed to me the most. But it's a beautiful tradition. It sounds really, really beautiful. That's the exact word I was thinking of as you were speaking can you tell listeners about your upbringing, your spiritual upbringing? Is this something that your family practiced? And, you know, just your own, if you can tell us about your own faith journey and how you were introduced to uh, West African spirituality. So I am from Suffolk, Virginia. It's very country. It's in the southern, southeastern part of um, Virginia. So I'm in the Bible Belt, essentially. Um, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church. My daddy was a trustee and a deacon. My mama was president of the pastor's aid deaconess. So I am literally the only person um, outside of my nephew who I brought him in. Um, but I'm the only one in the family outside of him that practices an African spiritual system. Um, but I, I started questioning Christianity early on. Like I, I got kicked out of Sunday school <laughs> for asking too many questions and being contrary. So they would say, but I'm like, what you're telling me is not making sense. So I'm a very logical person. So one plus one got to equal two. Now, while even as a young person, I understood that I'm not going to understand everything about God because God is so vast, but what you're telling me does not make sense. So it kind of, I started asking questions, um, you know, I'm a little older, so we really didn't have the internet, <laughs> that AOL and dial up until I was probably like 11 or 12. So it was a little limited for me. But um, as I started to grow, um, 
read books, checking books out, studying Judaism, then studying um, Islam. That was Orthodox Islam, Nation of Islam, Five Percenters. I kind of went on to the Moorish Temple of Science. I studied Eastern religions like Hinduism, Buddhism. Um, and none of those things, like I would get pieces that resonated with me, but not enough for me to fully commit. Um, and I was probably 33 when I found my, my home, OIDSI. And IFA was presented to me in a way that I could understand it. Um, I had always been doing, well, from the time I got into college, I always did ancestral reverence. Um, which is honoring your ancestors. You know, I'm not a Christian, so I they say Jesus died for me. I don't know that. I don't know him. But I know that my ancestors that came from, you know, Africa, they died for me. They sacrificed for me. So we honor those for whose shoulders we stand upon. And that's across all African spiritual systems as well as indigenous spiritual systems, whether it's Native American or whatever it is. Um, that's a cultural thing. It's not really a religion thing. Um, but as I move forward into Ifa, just understanding, it was tangible to me. You know, I could understand it. And I got my hand of Ifa in like November of 2015. Um, then that following December, I made another step. Um, it was another initiatory process. And then in 2017, I started what's called the Path to Priesthood class, which is what my organization does to prepare a person for priesthood. Um, and our organization is based on healing. We have a healing constitution. So that class was basically like taking an emotional intelligence test. Um, questions like, why are you an asshole? What triggers you to act in that way? Really us doing like self-reflective work. Um, to help aid in our healing. And then in um, January of 2018, I went to Nigeria uh, for two weeks to go through a grueling yet beautiful initiation process. So as you were talking, I just kind of wrote down, you, you, you had this really long journey at an early age as a child, just knowing that this, um, what should we call it? Uh, you basically, as a child, started to, without knowing it, decolonizing your own faith. Mm -hmm. And in, I grew up Christian as well. And, and we're not supposed to ask questions. We're not supposed to doubt. Right. Because that's, that's sinful, right? And, <laughs> and so you're just supposed to, whatever is preached, whatever is taught, you're just supposed to believe it. And my issue with that, um, especially when I got into high school and we started learning more about um, the transatlantic slave trade. And, you know, as I'm doing research and reading things, understanding how my ancestors became Christian those from that came from Africa, as well as the ones that are Native American. So Christianity was in Africa prior to, you know, the colonization and the transatlantic slave trade. It was in East Africa, Ethiopia, over that way. The likelihood that African Americans born here, ancestors are from Ethiopia and all over there are slim to none. Our people came from Nigeria, they came from Ghana, they came from the Congo, Bantu regions. We didn't know anything about, they didn't know anything about Christianity. They had these indigenous spiritual systems. So it was those who, and even the Christianity that's in Africa is not like the Roman Catholic version of Christianity. The Western version of Christianity is very different. So when those people came over to colonize us and basically forced us to forget who, who we are, where we came from, our spiritual systems, um, they used our symbols because the cross is not originally a European symbol. 
It actually came out of the Congo region, but Congo shamanism, they use the cross and it's the same exact one that's used in church. And so they use their own symbols to trick us into Christianity and those that they couldn't trick, they beat it into us. And those that wouldn't assimilate, they killed us. And I'm like, that's very violent. And then they used it even when we were here as slaves to keep us in check, which is why you don't ask questions, which is why, you know, you go to a lot of black churches and they got a white Jesus with blue eyes and blonde hair and all of those things. And to me, it just didn't resonate. I was like, why did you give me something so violent? And then you didn't give me anything else of substance. You didn't give me no shoes. I had to work in the snow barefoot. You gave me tattered clothes. You gave me scraps. Why would I think that this, for my salvation, you would give me something good? And then it also disconnects you from your own personal power because you're looking outside of yourself for salvation. And even the early versions of Christianity, Gnostic Christianity and the Christianity, the Coptic Christianity was always about the internal journey, honoring, honoring the divinity in you. And Western Christianity makes you look at divinity outside of you. Even in Ifa, um, we have the concept of the Ori, which is your head and your higher self. That's really you honoring the divinity in yourself, understanding that you are a piece of God having a human experience on this plane. Because God is perfect. God doesn't know what it's like to be abused. God doesn't know what it's like to have to get up and work a nine to five. So this is God having an experience so that that energy, which is male and female, it's everything, can continue to grow and expand. I would pay any amount of money to just sit and listen to you speak and just learn. Thank you. Whatever, just if you were holding any kind of a conference or a retreat, I would pay any amount of money to just sit and just be be humble and just just learn, first of all. So, uh, and as you were even speaking about just even further, I thought, oh my, when we talk about returning back to home, you literally returned back to home culturally, spiritually, uh, physically, <laughs> and, and almost, um, and please correct me, it's like you went from the colonized version of who you, you know, th- this world that you were born into, right? your former self, and you went to a place of, of real, true belonging that that it almost sounds like that also taught you because now you know who you are mm-hmm. and you're connected with your ancestors, you can love yourself better. You can accept yourself. Absolutely. And, you know, the first process I ever went through was they call it an Ishefa or a hand of Ifa. And the left side is considered the side of knowing. And so when I get this E-Day, this bracelet, and got my hand to be five, it was me saying, I now know who I am. Mm -hmm. Because in part of that process, there's a divination done that gives you, um, it's called the Ita, and it lets you know, this is the energy that you were born in. This is what you rode in on. This is why you're having some of the experiences that you have. Um, This is why um, you may have blockages in this area. This is what you were sent here to do um you know these are they're called odu um when we do divination um we are communicating with a deity called arumila arumila is the witness to your destiny before you came from the source you signed a spiritual contract on this is what my experiences are going to be now when we're born we forget it and then we search our life because everyone no matter what your religion is, people are always like, I want to know my purpose because they know they have a purpose. They know they have a reason for being here. And the life is about trying to recover that purpose. And that's what African spiritual systems do, literally to reach back and get what your ancestors left for you, to understand why you're here, what your purpose is, why you're having those experiences. 
Um, these Odu, they're literally called containers for a very simple thing. It literally encapsulates every possible um, occurrence in human life. Anything that you can think about that can happen in this lifetime is encapsulated in these Odus. Some of these stories that come with these Odus were written a thousand years ago, some 200 years ago, some 40 years ago. Because as we grow and expand, so does these energies that are called Odu. They expand. And I'm sitting there reading, and this was before I became a priest, reading this one story that was written at least 200 years ago. And I'm like, this is literally my life where it talked about three older brothers, a little sister, how the oldest brother will take care of that sister and will always be blessed. My brother, Kevin, I can call him and ask him for something. He'll do it for me. He'll lose a job. And then I'll have six job offers like that. Like spirit moves to make sure he's taken care of. I have another brother that doesn't treat me so well. The story talks about a brother that curses the sister will never be successful. He's always stumbling along. I have another, the next brother, the story talks about a brother that made the ultimate sacrifice. I have a brother that was born before me that died as an infant. If he wouldn't have done that, my parents wouldn't have tried for another child. So he made the ultimate sacrifice so I could come into existence and do the work that I was sent here to do. So when I read that and I'm just like, okay, you know, there's something to this. Um, it's just beautiful. And, you know, I do divination through um, Aaron de Lagoon, which is a cowrie shell divination, as well as through um, an opuele. And the things that fall on the mat for people that I have no idea who they are in front of me, and I'm able to speak to very specific things because spirit is telling me, and telling them, these are the things that you need to work on because this is what's holding you up in your life. This is what's creating the mental and the emotional, you know, discomfort or or drama that's happening in your life. Um, so divination is very important to all African spiritual systems, but I can only speak to the one that I do. Um, when people come sit on the mat, it's an investigation of what's happening in your life and what we can do to bring you back into an equilibrium, whether it be emotionally, physically, or spiritually, or all of them, because all of it is connected. So you said you do divinations with the Kyrie shell and the... It's called an opuele. It's a chain. Opuele. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. And do, do the divinations, uh, does that also include connecting with their ancestors? Mm-hmm. Okay. It does. Um, So I'm a medium as well. So a lot of the times people's ancestors will just come through to me. Um, But then also in the divination, there's a part where I will throw, where I will divine to see what the message is from the person's ancestors. Um, So it's able to give them insight on what you're going through is not yours. This is ancestral trauma passed down. This is in your genetic code and we're letting you know that this is what it is and you came to this mat so you can do the work to help break these generational curses. Powerful, powerful. I want to go back, you know, and, and, and just kind of ask while you were on your, your own journey of, of finding purpose, finding meaning, finding the truth, mm-hmm. uh, did you encounter any questions? Any critics, any doubters? Oh, of course. My family thought that I was a devil worshiper. Um, They thought I was crazy. You know, all of these things. But I've always been the black sheep. I've always been the eyeball. So it just didn't matter to me. And I knew that there was more out there. And I'm like, if everything else started in Africa, civilization, if, you know, humanity, if the first universities were in Africa then apparently the first concepts of spirituality must be there too. And I just kept digging and searching until I went back and, you know, I don't really care about the critics and what they have to say. I know what my spiritual journey has been. And I know the church did not work for me. I know that 
Islam did not work for me. And the whole thing with Islam, you know, you have people who are like, oh, I'm Shia, I'm, I'm Sunni. Well, they sold y'all ancestors into slavery even before Christians did. So why are we arguing about, you know, another religion that put you in bondage as well? But I know what Ifa has done for me, what my ancestors have done for me, what Orisha worship has done for me. It has helped me to heal and even deal with my own trauma and my own mental health issues to be able to let go of things and certain ideas that I was holding on to that weren't even mine. Love it. So you just kind of hit on another thing in terms of it helping your own mental health, your own journey of healing from, from trauma. Could you discuss the collaboration Mm -hmm. of, with with your faith practice, your spirituality, and that of the mental health community, is there room for mental health, uh, actual like therapy at all? And that is that incorporated? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so again, in Ifa, the most important concept um, is your ori, which is your physical head that encapsulates, you know, your thought process, your intuitive ability. Um, you know, any um, spiritual gifts that one may have, um, all of that. And we put a lot of emphasis on the Ori about a person doing the work to free themselves of what we call self-hexing or elanini, self-created demons, the fear, the anxiety, the self-doubt, replaying traumas over and over and over again. Um, That's where the divinations come into play. That's where um, ritual science comes into play. Um, I know people will look at certain rituals when they look on documentaries and things like that and be like, oh, that looks really primitive. It's ritual science. It's connecting with earth because everything that's within is without. So if water is life-giving and cooling and healing, you need water in order to be healthy, then why can't I use water on my ori? to help cool the negative thoughts and whatever is going up there. You understand what I'm saying? I do. So we use the ritual science, the divination in conjunction with therapy. And that it's not, what we do is not a replacement, but it's supposed to go hand in hand. They have to work together. Um, You know, I come from, there are people in my family that have mental health issues, um, some that have had to have treatment and things of that nature. Um, For me, I was very much that strong person that was just trauma would happen. I would just keep my mouth shut and would just pack it down and try to avoid it. But the minute I got on this path to Ifa, it was like my ancestors and spirit were just poking me to trigger me with things, to make me have to deal with the issues that I had with my mother that I didn't want to deal with. Um, The issues that I had pushed down with sexual abuse and physical abuse, Um, all of those things, it kept poking me to trigger me and putting these situations back in front of my face. Um, When I went, when I was in college, I attempted to commit suicide. Um, Of course I wasn't successful. I think I slept for three days because I took pills. I just didn't take enough to do the job. And literally I woke up and I had like a two second cry. And I was like, you know what? I don't have time for this. And I got a shower. I put my clothes on and I went to work and I never addressed those things. But when I was on my path to priesthood, those things that I pushed down, those things that made me want to do that came back with the vengeance. And I even had to call my Luo and was like, I feel like I'm drowning. And he, along with another priest, were able to help me through that thing on a spiritual level. And then I started going to therapy to further unpack my things, my stuff. And luckily for me, I found a therapist that was cool with African spiritual systems. So I could talk about my ancestors. I could talk about my dreams. I could talk about the visions and, you know, the voices. Because everyone that has voices in their head they're not crazy. There is another realm and science is steadily proving that there are other realms 
that there are other realities. And if we're pure energy, just housed in this flesh, when we transition, we don't really die. We just change form. So there's a realm where our ancestors are, wherever our source is, and they are still here to help us. There are still spirits. There's still energies around. So a lot of people that they say have, you know, are schizophrenic and all of these things, there may be mental health issues, but then there's also a spiritual significance to what's going on. A lot of those people are mediums, but they don't have a support system to help them dig through it. Um, it was an article in the Washington Post um, by Dick Russell. He has a son, um, a biracial son, and he is schizophrenic. And he ended up getting in contact with um, a Sangoma by the name of um, Maladoma Somme. They went to Jamaica and went through these series of rituals because Maladoma was like, yeah, he has some mental health issues. There are things that's happening. You know, he may be a little autistic, these types of things, but he's a medium. And that Sangoma said, you know, I feel like I'm talking to a colleague because the paintings that he's doing, the visions that he's seeing are things that are very real. So this father, European father, like trusted his gut because Western medicine was not helping his son. But after meeting with that Sangoma and doing the rituals and keeping up with that work in conjunction with the Western medicine, he has seen his son blossom. Wow. And, you know, we see those types of things as well. Um, on the mat, people that are not, you know, you're not crazy. This is true. Yeah. That is extremely, extremely powerful through. So you went to therapy. Mm-hmm. And hold on, let me just, first of all, I, I just, I've got to pause and just affirm you. I, I feel like I'm in good company as the other, so grew up being the black sheep. Right. Grew up with all kinds of abuse. Attempted suicide at the age of 21, where I shot myself and the doctor that removed the bullet said, you're not supposed to be here. And it's almost like, as I'm listening to you, our ancestors were like, no girl, not your time. Get up. Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. No, you've been through a lot, but get up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're here to do the work now. Absolutely. Yeah. And we're not just freeing ourselves. Well, I'm free now. I- I'm-, I'm done with, I- I'm-, I'm free. So I don't, uh, but we're bringing others along with us. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, anyone that is in the priesthood, we don't become priests to save the community. That's not the first objective. We become priests because it's literally to save our lives. It's to give us more tools and more power, more spiritual backing to be able to do the work that we are supposed to do. So for example, I'm a priest of Oshun. Um, Oshun is very popular. Beyonce made her popular. She is not the only female Orisha people, but um, I am a priest of Oshun, right? So Oshun deals with um, the spirit of attraction. Not even just on a, I'm attracted to you, I'm going to make you my man, but on the very base level of protons, electrons, neutrons, attracting to create and manifest. That is what Oshun is. She deals in love on a loving yourself, what love really is and how love makes things move forward. Oshun deals with the will to move forward in living and in growing and in healing. Um, She's also represented by the river, that fresh water that gives life. Um, Oshun also deals with the Ori, a lot of people will, um, won't give her or give that energy the recognition of you need it to have in the molding of the ori, you had to have fresh water. You know, she has a fan that cools. Where, where do we, when we're fanning ourselves, where do we normally fan? Our head. And yeah, head. Mm-hmm. So it's about cooling the ori, cooling the thoughts, 
you know, she has a comb. They always talk about her and the beaded comb. Well, what do combs do? They filter dirt and debris and get the knots and the tangles out of your head. Mm -hmm. So that comb on the Ori is filtering the thoughts, filtering those negative thoughts that I can't do this or I'm a loser or, you know, those types of things and help getting the kinks out. So I needed Oshun to help me with self-love on how to love myself, on being self-reflective of not even just recognizing the things that I needed to fix about myself, but learning how to celebrate the good things about myself that I tend to not do. Um, she was there for me to help me in doing my ori work, you know? And then just on a basic level, I have control issues. I'm still working through it as a priest. But think about the river. It always finds the path of least resistance. So part of my prayers with Oshun is, may I always find the path of least resistance. May I be flowing and flexible like the river. So as a priest of Oshun, I want to be like the river, fresh, healing, life-giving, flexible. So understanding the Orisha and these energies on more than, oh, Oshun's number is five. She is about dance and beauty and she's this half-naked woman. It's an energy. that deeper than that. It's way, way deeper than that. And me having to understand why these two are my guardian Orisha, like Oshun and Ogun. Ogun is a warrior. He's a fighter. He also deals in creation. You'll hear a lot of stories about him being, you know, bloody and just killing everybody with machetes. But you have to have compassion for other people to want to fight and risk your life for other people. Ogun is my support system because I never felt like I had a support system. Ogun fights for me so I don't have to fight. So I ask him, can you defeat my enemies? And it's not even external enemies. It's the internal enemies, the fear, the self-doubt, the confusion. Can you cut those enemies away from me? Can you defeat those enemies? So it's not always about the external with Ifa, or it's really not about the external. It's about that internal, defeating those internal enemies. Because everything is about the healing work and it's about you doing the work. Like these Orisha can't do anything for you unless you decide that you want to heal. Unless you make up your mind, make up your ori, this is what I want to do. And then this is what I'm going to move towards. And also leaning into your ancestors. Um, it's a book by um, Dr. Joy DeGruy, um, Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. I feel like every African-American needs to read because you can understand how some of what you do is just passed down to you. Some of that trauma that we hold on to. Um, it, I was talking to one of my God sisters and, you know, we were talking about how black mothers will be like, look at that fast tail girl or somebody will say something about their daughter. Oh, she's beautiful. She, all right. she fast. She hot in the butt. Like we'll say things that seem negative and try to pull the daughter down. But if you think about where we come from as a people, where you had the slave master who would see the young girl and be like, oh, she's a pretty gal. And the mother would be like, oh, you don't want her, sir. That girl ain't got no good sense. She don't have this. They would say those things to try to deter her, their daughters from being raped mm. and traumatized mm -hmm. even more than they already were given the conditions. So then you see mothers doing that now or grandmothers doing that now and it's automatic. And it's not that they're trying to tear that daughter down. We, we even, you know, 400, 300, 200, 150 years later, we are still operating from that trauma. And so then these African systems that our ancestors left with ancestral wisdom and knowledge, we use those to help people heal and to get back in contact with who they are authentically. So it's, it's just, it's very, very important. It is important. And the word sacred kept coming up in my mind as I was, this is sacred. This is a sacred practice, mm -hmm. sacred worship, sacred conversations, Absolutely. sacred relationships. It just kept coming up over and over and over. Um, so I guess my next question with everything that 
that you've now this whole journey that you've been on and the journey that you're you're on now for anybody that is even maybe you know somebody listening right now is thinking oh my goodness everything that you're saying is resonating but I'm afraid because I've grown up in Christianity it's all I know uh I, I I don't know what what to do I'm afraid um of what I find out when I do start to dismantle all of these beliefs, uh, what advice would you have for that person? So my advice to them is one, Ifa is not for everyone. Just because what I'm saying may be resonating with them does not mean that they need to become an adherent to Ifa or it's even in their path to become a priest. I have a lot of people, clients that come to me that are not interested in getting their hand at Ifa. But again, the investigation of the human condition, giving them confirmation, and then helping them to determine a plan to shift that energy, whether it is a ritual with me, whether it is me referring them to a therapist, whether it's me giving them therapeutic, um, you know, homework to do, like, let's do some journaling, let's do a cord cutting ritual, you know, those types of things. It doesn't mean that you have to be part of Ifa. It's just simply here to help you with your healing and with your growth. A spirituality is really your, um, it's your path to being okay with who you are, with all of your experiences, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between, Mm -hmm. and understanding that your experiences don't define you there's just things that happen to you and it's about you getting the lessons. And like my God sister always says, turning your test into a testimony. And so you don't have to be part of that. This is just a modality to get you to that spiritual place, to get you to connect with your higher self and the divinity in yourself. So is going to church. So is doing Reiki. So is meditating. It's but just a modality. Um, so Anyone who is invested in wanting to heal themselves, don't be afraid um, to look into what your ancestors left you, because our ancestors left us a vast well of knowledge to help us with the healing and with the things that we need to do. And, you know, not all churches, I do know some churches that are very, um, you know, their goal is to help people heal and to elevate some churches are not. They're still kind of plugged in to that old school mindset. But at the end of the day, don't be afraid to step out and save yourself. Thank you for that. So we've just got a couple of more uh, questions. I'm also interested, like, because you, you, you traveled and you went through this whole process, did that also include while you were studying and healing and uh, just kind of learning and again, decolonizing your, yourself, uh, getting in touch with your ancestors. Did that also include obtaining new family? Most definitely. I have an extended family um, through my ELA as well as other um, spiritual practitioners um, that that I come across, you know, um, of course, with my OIDSI home family, they are my sisters, my brothers. I have my godparents with that. Um, and then, you know, we work well in the community with other spiritual houses and traditions. You know, I have friends and people that are really close to me that practice Palo, that practice, you know, Akan and Sangoma. So it has opened me up to another community outside of my family because, you know, my my family blood relatives, a lot of those relationships are strained, um, which is part of my work, oddly enough, is to do the ancestral work um, with my family to help quell some of the things that's happening. Um, So I did find a family outside of that. 
Now, the thing about it is, because I still have to do work with some of the relationships in my family, it's going to repeat itself <laughs> with my spiritual family. Spirit is going to be like, oh, no, we're not going to let you off that easy. You still got some daddy issues. Well, huh, we're going to give you an issue with your god daddy. So it's still, you know, learning experiences in that. But I definitely have a huge family. That is awesome. Awesome. You've got some extended family um, that you can go to. Um, but healing those relationships, I, it, I just would imagine it looks quite different and, and, and healthier and better. Um, sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. It's just okay. Like I didn't realize that I got I had issues with my father until so in my hand the E5, which was my first process I ever went through. I'm sitting there in my ETA and they're like, Oh, you got daddy issues, you got issues with your father, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, No, I don't. I'm a daddy's girl. I don't know what none of y'all people are talking about. I go all the way to Nigeria in the dirt. They talking about daddy issues again. I'm like, me and my daddy are fine. We're Gucci. I don't know what you're talking about. I want to say it was maybe three months after I came back from Nigeria as a priest. And one of my prayers was, spirit, please reveal to me the things that I need to heal from that I don't know I need to heal from. And my dad said something to me and it like triggered this like playback of all these moments in my life. And I was like, I got daddy issues. It was right, you know? So I kind of went back to my readings and everything. And I'm like, I see my father issues. So that's something that I'm actively working through. And it's like, once I get to one spot, it, it could be my Aluo or it can be my actual godfather that'll do something to trigger me to be like, okay, so I'm really not as healed as I thought I was. Because healing is a lifelong Yes. Thing. like I'm never gonna heal everything in this lifetime but I want to do what I can do so when I come back the next lifetime I'm a little further along that's right my journey mm-hmm. but um yeah sometimes you'll have God siblings that will trigger you like we fight like regular family sometimes in the Elay. but the thing about it is we have other people around us supporting us that understands what's going on and can sit us down and be like so why is she triggering you who does she remind you of does she remind you of yourself? Does she remind you of your mother? So we do have that support to help us work through and see what these dynamics are. That's the difference with the spiritual family versus mama, daddy, cousins, brother, and sister. It feels like because even when you didn't, you couldn't, or you weren't aware at the time that, that there were daddy issues. Mm-hmm. It seems like there was this, there's always this because healing is lifelong. Right. It just is for everybody, no matter what you believe, no matter what you practice, healing is lifelong. But that there's this intentional chipping away of anything that's toxic, anything that does not belong, Mm -hmm. that's impacting you, that's impacting further generations. Absolutely. That's impacting your work. It's slowly revealing, okay, nope, this is an issue. And if it's not acknowledged on this side, we're going to, it's, it's going to come up over here. Exactly. But you can't run away from it. Yeah. Spirit has this way of taking your traumas. And when you think you have healed from it, mm-hmm. wrapping it up in a new package and me like, here you go. Yeah. And then you get through that and then you're like, well, I'm healed. And then your ancestors and spirit are like, Oh, so is that right? Well, let me put it in a smaller box for you and wrap it this way. Here you go. You know, it's like yeah. a constant, a constant test. Yeah. And the whole thing really about doing your healing work is, um, again, to let go and sacrifice. Like sacrifice is a big thing. You'll hear that in a lot of African spiritual systems. Well, yeah, there is another level of sacrifice. But the main sacrifice is letting go of the things that you're holding on to from your past. Like we can go sacrifice a thousand chickens but if you don't sacrifice the chicken in you and that chicken could be uh abuse it could be you know a mistake you made five years ago that you're still beating yourself up if you don't sacrifice that chicken nothing that we do for you in a ritual is really gonna work it'll put a band-aid on it 
but it's really about you dedicating yourself to do the work. Ifi, spiritual systems, hoodoo, all of those things, they're not magic. Do they have magical elements? Yes. Do they have some very, I've seen some very spectacular things that I can't even explain. Yes, but those are only going to be a band-aid for you unless you're really dedicated to doing your own work. There's nothing that I can do for you that will 100% wipe away everything that you're going through. Even me going through priesthood and not wipe the slate for me clean. No. So if I went in an asshole and didn't do my work on to why is being an asshole my response, when I become a priest and what we call ashe, that gets ashed or that gets blessed, then I'm going to come out a bigger asshole. Mm-hmm. Like whatever my problem was before, if I don't acknowledge it and deal with it, kind of it'll come out. So if I got an ego issue that I haven't checked, I'm going to have a bigger ego when I come out. And it's going to be harder for me to peel through it. Mm -hmm. So in order to go through this process, you've got to be open. You've got to be dedicated. You've got to submit. Mm -hmm. But that's with anything. Anything. Yeah. Uh, So I wrote myself a note. You mentioned your OIDSI sisters. Can you explain for the listeners, what is OIDSI? Um, OIDSI is my home ELE. ELE is a spiritual house. It stands for the um, Obafemi Institute of the Divine Study of Ifa. So he is my, um, one of my godparents. Um, he has a wonderful organization um, that is built on the premise of using Ifa and this ancestral wisdom to heal. We have a healing constitution. So if you come to our ELE, or any of the affiliate ELAs, and you don't really want to do your work, it may not be the place for you. Um, you know, we, he wants his priest not only to learn Ifa, but to look at other healing modalities. Um, like I'm a Reiki master, which comes, it's a healing practice out of Japan, which Black folks in the church call laying on hands. That's really what it is. <laughs> is. Um, he looks for us to do other divination um, methods, like um, I'm learning ancestral bone readings, I'm learning how to do tarot cards, things of that nature, um, numerology, just using whatever modalities to help um, African-Americans and anyone really who comes to this organization um, for healing and to understand their human condition. Um, So the website is obafemi.org. Um, you can find out more information about Baba Femi and OIDSI through that, um, as well as the other ELAs, because um, we have ELAs all over the continental U.S., mm-hmm. as well as in Mexico um, and some other places. And we will, for anybody listening, we'll add those websites uh, to the show notes. Uh, so I just got a couple of questions, and these are a little bit more fun and, and easy Thank you again so much for all of the knowledge that you have imparted uh, today. Now, um, so my first question is, who or what inspires you? You know, the mothers in my family inspire me. My mother, my grandmothers, um, just to know and understand uh, what they went through. Um, in their life. And, you know, even those grandmothers that I don't know, but survive the slave trade, survive, you know, what life gave them to be a black woman, to be black and a woman is hard. And to know that they survived and they gave me the strength and the fortitude to be able to move forward and do what I do. I'm forever inspired and grateful to them. Awesome. Awesome. Shout out to all the mothers. Um, the ones who are here and the ones who have since passed, but are watching over us. Thank you. And when you want to move your body, when you want to dance, when you just feel in the need to just listen to some really good music, what beckons you to dance? What artist? what, what album, anything, what do you listen to? So Baba Femi calls me his ratchet priest. Okay. <laughs> So listen, I mean, I love all types of music. I'll get into my Fela Kuti. I'll get into my Erica Badu, you know, Jill Scott, Gregory Porter. Like, I, lo- I have a wide range, you know? Mm-hmm. But 
give me something ratchet. Give me some Cardi B or Meg The Stallion. Like, that's what I listen to. That's Same. <laughs> get that energy flowing. And we can have that range. We can look. Yes, it is. It is. I love it. The type of work I do, it can get so serious and draining. Like I can't be, and a lot of people will hear priests and they think you're like, hmm, absolutely not. I'm human. I'm going to do my work for the community, for myself, for my clients, my godchildren. And guess what? I'm going to go have a drink. I'm going to go listen to Cardi B. I may go to the club. Like we're human. Awesome. So, Ia, the last question I have is who or what, well, two questions, uh, who or what makes you laugh? My, honestly, God, my, my, my God family makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. They are the most hilarious people. We had um, some of the Ia's got together last night and I was literally on the floor on my knees laughing you know, because we have to be able to just be ourselves and be raw and be like, girl, let me tell you what I did, blah, blah, blah. And just, you know, have those moments. So definitely those those times with my sisters make me laugh. And we talk on a regular basis. Like I'll FaceTime somebody be like, girl, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> and, you know, we have our key key sessions. So it's definitely my God sisters that keep me from going crazy awesome and for anybody listening if they want to connect with you uh on their own healing journey um how can they reach you so my website is currently being built um it is a la k creations if you do go there it will connect you to my instagram page um, and also my email address, alakecreations at gmail.com. They're going to be the best ways um, to reach me for right now. Um, you know, if you have questions about African spiritual systems, um, anything, just feel free to reach out to me. That was perfect. Thank you so much. And uh, again, we're going to put all of that, all of your information uh, in the show notes. So for anybody out there that would like to know more and would like to contact her directly for your own healing journey. Um, other than that, uh, in, you know, I just want to say thank you. This has been just beyond what I expected. So uh, I appreciate you and um, that'll be it. And so I'll be back in a second uh, for just the last, last thoughts um, for today's show. Thank you all for joining me for today's podcast. And please make sure that you visit me at TashaHunterAuthor.com or you can find me always at Instagram at TashaHunterLCSW. While you are at it, please, if you found value in this show, I would appreciate a rating or a review. Uh, Also share this podcast with others and I will see you all next time.